0: Now, since I'm the hero of this story, it only makes sense that I have a villainous counterpart. There was Rainbow Kisses, killed him. Hurricane Hugs, killed him. Princess pollywog killed her. Lollipop Love Bucket, killed him. And still there were others, and if I were to rattle off all of my unicorn kills, we'd hardly have time to talk about the real reason I'm here. The reason I am who I am. My White Whale, Golden Showers. Every time I get my hand on a unicorn, thrusting my sword elbow deep into their sugary guts, I wish it were Golden Showers laying beneath me, snuffing his last breath. Not only is he the son of a bitch who killed mother and father, but he used to sneak into my bedroom in the middle of the night, his big candy hooves pinning me down by my pajama gown. And pee on me, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Like every other superhero, I've got an origin story. So, here it is.
1: You are listening to Share a Slice with Sean.
2: So you were listening to Martin Lestrap's read an extract from his short story anthology, Dolph the Unicorn Killer, and other stories. Now, Martin lives in Las Vegas, and that's really something that colors a lot of his stories and a lot of his books. His first actual novel, it's called Inside the Outside, and that actually won the grand prize in the 2012 Paris Book Festival, and then his second novel called The Vampire, The Hunter, and The Girl, that took the 2015 grand prize in the Southern California Book Festival. His themes uh, fit well with this show, I think. He covers things like vampires and sex cults living in the forest that happen to also be cannibals. So it works pretty well for this show, I think. And obviously, if you've read Martin's stuff before, you're gonna get a lot out of this interview, I think. But even if you've never read anything of his work, I think you'd get a good intro to the kind of thing that you are in store for, if you read some of his excellent books and excellent stories too. So I do hope you stick around for that. We're going to jump right into the interview with Martin, uh, right where Martin is telling us about how he kind of regained some of his mojo, and from that, how when he found his muse, he was able to continue writing and actually create Dolph the Unicorn Killer and other stories.
0: You know, I wake up every day in my brain, and I, and, you know, I'm a writer. That's very much how I identify myself. And and so, if I don't, if I'm, if I'm not writing, if not only if I'm, if I'm not writing, if I don't have this this desire or, or or want to write, then what, you know, like what do I do with my life? And these books that I've written before, it was, you know, was that it? Like, is is the idea that like I wrote the stories that I had in me, and the, and that was it? And, yeah. and I really didn't know what to do with that feeling, and I was kind of panicked, and so. Um, I ended up just, just uh, so actually, I did a couple of things. So, so one, I figured let me let me try to go back to basics, and I went to my bookshelf, and uh, and I just pulled a few of my favorite authors off the shelf, and I just decided, you know, what what originally got me excited to be a writer in the first place was reading authors who got me excited about writing and storytelling. So I pulled some of my favorite authors off the shelf. Uh, just off the top of my head, like a Tom Robbins and Tim O'Brien and uh, Michael Chabin and Chuck Palahniuk or a few of them. And I just started reading a few pages uh, of their books and just sort of consuming them, just, you know, not reading them front to back, but just, just kind of reminding myself uh, what it is I loved about just, just writing and storytelling, especially when somebody else is doing it. And then from there, um, I just kind of gave myself just a writing exercise where I was I was stripping away any any pressure of of publishing and and getting reviews and and getting book sales and just just getting back to just storytelling for the sake of storytelling And so I gave myself an exercise of just just write almost almost like I was just writing a journal and and just so uh, so I was sitting at uh, at my desk and I was kind of looking out the window uh, and at that point I had recently moved to Las Vegas I was a few months to living in Las Vegas and so then um, I just started writing just just sort of a first person almost journal of of what it was like living in Las Vegas. And and I, and I think because I had stripped away any pressure of this isn't going to get published, I'm not going to try to sell this, this is just writing because I love writing, um, I relatively quickly snapped into just the joy of, of, of just writing words on the page and writing about uh, living in Las Vegas. And then after I got a few pages in... I thought about, you know, I wonder if I can turn this into something. So then I thought, well, instead of me narrating this, what if this is actually a vampire talking about living in Las Vegas? What would that look like? So then I made this narrator a vampire. And then eventually that the story, it became a story that would eventually become uh, the first story in the collection, the vampire and the madman. And and at that time I had the short story and I didn't know what to do with it because I, I didn't publish short stories. So... Um, I had previously worked with Exciting Press, and you know, and and uh, they're they're an independent digital press, and so I, I contacted the, the the founder of that, uh, Will Entrican, and uh, and I and uh, because we'd, we'd worked together before, I, I let him know, you know, I've got I've got a short story, and um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it. So if I if I if I ultimately don't find a home for it, I was sort of thinking maybe maybe it'll go into Maybe I can find like an anthology or I can submit it somewhere. But, but like, if I don't do anything with this, like, would you would you like to have this story? Uh, and he was he was very cool with that. And He was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to take it. Right. And so then um, I think I ended up writing a couple more short stories still in the mindset of just just trying to get my mojo back. And then I started thinking, you know, I've got a few stories here and I've got a few stories that I wrote, you know, uh, probably 10, 10, 15 years before when I was in college. And uh, and I I'd actually forgotten that I had a few other short stories that um, that uh, Exciting Press had that they just hadn't published yet, and so once I started adding them up, I think there was about six or seven stories. So then I I contacted Exciting Press again to see if they were interested in maybe doing a short story collection, Uh, and they were they were you know very interested in that. So so then at that point, I was just kind of doing the math because I wanted it to be a nice full length book. So I figured okay you know maybe I can write. Uh, five or six more original stories, and that's in this very organic way that started with me, just trying to find my 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 my, my muse, my writing mojo again. Uh, almost accidentally, ended up writing this short story collection, "Dolph the Unicorn Killer," which uh, the the, the idea that now you're 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 reading it, um, it's uh, it, it's it's very cool for me, and it, it's very humbling, and just the again for me, the idea that this book, uh, almost definitely wasn't supposed to happen is part of what uh, makes it so exciting for me. Let's start with where I live, where the story is set. It's set in the time of now, and we may as well be in your backyard. There are streets and schools and traffic lights just like where you live. We've got assholes in elected government, and shitty reality TV. There are multi-millionaire athletes posing as role models, and role models posing as school teachers. Just like every fucking neighborhood in the whole fucking world, we've got superheroes supplementing our local law enforcement, helping to catch the bad guys. And we also have unicorns, just like where you live. Oh, what's that? You've never seen a unicorn? That's exactly right, Einstein. You're not supposed to see them. If you could, then they wouldn't be special. They also wouldn't be dangerous. And I wouldn't have to be on the streets, night after night, taking them out with liberal violence. Uh, Dolph the Unicorn Killer, I think it's... the, the that, that particular story in the book is... Uh, Probably the, the it's you know in, in my mind is probably the closest representation to uh, the stories that I love where it's completely absurd, um, completely silly. Um, but there is there there are certain uh, certain themes that uh, that I that I that I hope are uh, engaging and, and and interesting and sort of have a certain of hidden level of uh, intellect just beneath the level of the sort of very silly sophomore uh, character of. Dolph, the Unicorn Killer, and also it engages with my with my love of comic books because I've always wanted to create a, a comic book hero, and I've always had this fantasy of doing a comic book. And I like to imagine someday down the road that Dolph might actually become an actual comic book uh, comic book hero. Um, the hero himself, Dolph, he's uh, you know he, he's he's this guy who completely believes that uh, unicorns are evil, and he's doing his part to save the world by killing unicorns. Now, on the one hand, he's the only person that can see unicorns, so he's also the guy who people think are crazy and says unicorns exist. But he's okay with that because he knows that he's making the world a better place by killing unicorns. Uh, And I borrowed very heavily and intentionally from the Batman mythology, where when Dolph was a kid, he was in an alley with his very rich parents and, uh, and and his, and uh, and yeah, you know, one day his parents were were killed by a unicorn. So of course he devoted his life, with the help of uh, of his butler, who he's very very mean to, uh, to to using his his wealth and access uh, to become a, a hero who would then kill unicorns in, in a larger and a larger uh, hope of, of 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 avenging his parents, but also making the world a better place. But along the way, Dolph has some lessons about the world to learn, uh, not the least of which uh all unicorns aren't created equally and uh and if if in fact all unicorns aren't evil what's that say about what he's doing about uh killing unicorns and uh and, and on some level uh, again on the surface i just want it to be a fun silly story that folks can enjoy but i know for me one of the themes that uh that i'm always engaged with is uh is is the is is the shades of gray that exist in humanity that that you know the best people in the world are going to have a dark shade to them. The, the worst people in the world are going to have some shade of, of light in them. And I'm always very, very interested in, in sort of uh, uh, sort of investigating those shades and investigating that nobody is all good and all bad, and we all sort of exist somewhere um, on, this, on, on this spectrum. And so, so that's a lesson that, uh, uh, that Dolph is learning uh, along the way about unicorns, but in a larger sense, just about uh, humanity in general.
2: It's interesting because uh, your stories not only do they investigate sort of seedy or semi-seedy life in in uh, Las Vegas. And by the way, I was in a call center as well. And the first story has <laughs> has a vampire in a call center. And and like you know, in the sometimes when I was sitting on the phone bank, I was kind of hoping someone would be a vampire just to like you know <laughs> drag me out of the monotony. I thought I was dead already sometimes when I was working in a call center. Yeah, I can feel
0: like that, yeah.
2: Um, you know, it explores this idea of of a, a Las Vegas that that once was sort of a crumbling image or, or or faded photograph of what it was before because my wife and I we went to Vegas and we actually got remarried in this uh chapel. Uh it, I think it was north of the city, like north of mm-hmm. the strip. And uh there was this this like uh old uh, uh hotel um and uh it it was like a tiki themed hotel and and it was like i had fallen into a time warp or something and we we got married again so you have all this idea of of seediness and then as well i noticed that in several of the stories at least that i've read you have like really alternate ways of seeing the world um like you have alternate ways of seeing relationships. Like, for instance, in the story uh, where, where they did go on the cruise later on, I think it was Zachary decided that he would uh, try, uh, you know, uh, he got he, he got his thrills out of seeing his wife with another man. And then you have like, you have like sort of that kind of repeated like non-monogamous relationships. And then even within in um, the actual cult of the divinity there, that story itself is completely... Like everything's turned in reverse where you've got like these people who are that cannibalism is just a regular thing. And everybody it's like if, if you're it's like a graduation party or something. If you go to to get yourself uh, sacrificed, everyone's like, oh, congratulations. <laughs> it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and again, those sort of the, some of the seedier, or darker themes or some of the themes that were that that might otherwise you know, be on the, the 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 fringes of of culture or society or or the internet, however you engage with them. Um, I you know, whenever possible, I like to I like to hit those themes head on. In large part, just because I'm I'm uh, I'm fascinated by them, uh, and and so, so so you know, not only am I fascinated with them, I'm fascinated by how you know. I mean, just the idea that I'm fascinated by some of these themes. It's because, in large part, I'm on the outside looking in. So you know, I I, I like to look in to see, you know, what's going on with with the with this theme. What you know, what's going on in a in, in a cult like this, or what's going on with the you know with the with a couple who uh, who decides that you know, sexually uh, the, the 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 guy would rather see uh, his girlfriend you know have sex with uh, with other men. So I um, I so on the one hand. I'm on the outside looking in and I'm fascinated fascinated by these themes. But part of my fascination is on the other side of that line for these folks, there's nothing, this is relatively mundane. This is just their life. There's, you know, they might not even understand the fascination just because this is just how they live. And so uh, in inside the outside, that was very much one of the big themes of that story for me is that within this cult, you know, like as a reader, you're reading the story about the the divinity, and you're meeting Timber Marlowe, and you meet the cult leader Daddy Marlowe, and you realize everybody's named Marlowe, and everybody's having sex, and everybody's cannibals, and and they're having sex with each other, and in fact, monogamous relationships are frowned upon. So, right. uh, you know there's a storyline in there with the with with a young couple who they have to hide their monogamous relationship uh, because you know they don't want to get in trouble, and so then uh, and, and so then that world, the idea of it is to to really just fully uh, immerse the reader in this world almost to the point where you know it kind of sort of starts to become normal to them and you know we see that story through the uh, through the perspective of the main character timber Marlowe. until at one point in the book about halfway ish through the book you know she wants to go to what they call the outside which is just our mainstream society and again i, I wanted everything in our world that w- that's very normal and mundane for us I wanted to see that through the lens of timber marlowe and i wanted her to have a chance to see all the things that you know just stuff like i would even just just every day just living my regular life i would imagine timber marlowe so if i was walking through the mall i would start to imagine you know what would timber marlowe think of this place what would, what would she think of seeing clothes hanging on a rack of mannequins without hair or faces you know uh what would timber marlowe think of disneyland and so i ended up writing a chapter of you know timber marlowe going to disneyland and you know all these things that are that have become culturally normal for us. What would that look like to somebody you know who was outside of this culture? So so that story inside the outside again on the surface it's a it's a it's a very kind of straight straightforward uh, horror thriller story. But then beneath the surface, I really was engaging with these themes that I'm just you know personally. Uh, um, uh, just just fascinated by um every day, and so um so I'm really pleased to hear as you're reading, you know, Dolph the Unicorn Killer and other stories that, uh, that for you as a reader, some of these themes are, are um are, are resonating with you. So that actually means an awful lot to me.
2: I listened to one of your podcast episodes. Uh, I I think it might have been the origin one, your genesis, and you're talking <laughs> about how. I mean, comic books were a big deal, but how you, you really didn't start out as a writer at all. It just, you had to really find, um, that's that skill, uh, even reading a book. Uh, uh, I, if I remember correctly, you weren't much of a reader even starting out.
0: Absolutely. That's all absolutely true. So, I, so in terms of, uh, and, 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 these are, these are things that I've, as I get older, become more clear to me, but like as a kid, you know, I love TV and I love movies uh, and as I look back in retrospect, I can appreciate that what I was really drawn to were were the stories and the storytelling. But I didn't know that as a kid. I just figured, you know, everybody and everybody enjoys this media in the same way. And so uh, I, I would try reading books, particularly, you know, when I was in school and it was a homework assignment. And you know, I, I would I would always go into a, a reading assignment with uh, with the appropriate amount of, of motivation that I wanted to read this. book. Book or whatever, and be a good student, and I would, I would, I, you know, I, I would read the words on the page because uh, from from a young age, um, the the actual the the mechanics of reading always came easy to me uh, when I was a kid, um, but when it came to actually reading a book, I found that there was a disconnect between. I could read the words on the page, and I'd get a few pages in, and I'd realize I haven't consumed anything. I don't know anything that's happening. It's just this mechanical exercise of my of my eyes, just reading the words and saying the words in my head, but it's not turning into a a picture of any sort. And even that, again, in years later, in retrospect, I understand now, uh, partly because I've done some you know semi professional tests. That, uh, that I'm I'm a visual learner so that's also in large part why comic books were, were so appealing to me as a kid it's why television and movies were so appealing that um, that the the visual stimulus is what very much engaged my imagination where where with a book because there was words on a page it didn't immediately engage my the the, the visual uh, stimuli in my imagination so so I, I didn't I didn't really truly discover uh, the n- n- not just the joy of reading but in a way, just how to read a book. I, I, I didn't know how to connect to that. And so that really didn't happen until I was 18 years old. And it was my first semester in college. And I, and I was taking a history class of all classes. It wasn't even an English class or a creative writing class. It was a history class. But this particular history teacher, he assigned three different novels to us, uh, novels that in some form or fashion represented uh, the, the period of U.S. history that this class was, uh, was going to be engaging in. So... The first book on the syllabus was *The Jungle* by Upton Sinclair, and I, I remember going to the the the, the bookstore on campus and getting the *The Jungle*, and I and it was like a four hundred page novel, and I opened it up, and uh, Sean, I'm telling you, when I saw how small these words were, <laughs> terrifying. I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "This is four hundred pages, and these are the smallest words I've ever seen. I'm gonna flunk out of college really quickly, and I don't know what's gonna happen with my life." And I was so nervous. And so I thought, okay, well, I, I maybe, I don't know. I, I try to think about it mathematically. And, and by the way, I'm no good at math. But I thought, okay, if I break this up into, I've got about a month to read this book before he's gonna test us on it. So that's uh however many you know fifteen 20 pages a day, and if I do that, I can get through the book and and maybe something will happen and I remember even uh, I was I was living you know I was still living with my parents I remember going in the backyard and thinking, okay, maybe it's nature like I was I was, I was really just trying to figure out what's the magic of reading how come people can do this and I can't. Maybe I just need like fresh air or trees or something and going in the backyard and reading and just like hoping against hope that just something would happen. And I read again 10, 15 pages and nothing happened. And I was like, OK, I'm, I am I really need a plan B because I am not going to make it through college very clearly. So then I, I think something happened in my brain where, <laughs> where I was sort of kind of giving up on college and life and sort of uh, getting myself comfortable with the idea that uh, I would... You know, in the near future, be uh, be homeless or something like that. And so, <laughs> with all the pressure removed, uh, I just I was just reading, and then I, I uh, to this day I don't know exactly when it happened. I just know that this I, I some some something magical happened, and you, you probably heard some hesitation in my voice because I I always feel silly when I tell this story, but it's very sincere. Where uh, something magical happened, and the words the words left the page and it, you know, the, the words were just going into my brain, almost like a, almost like a movie reel. And instead of words on the page, I was just watching a movie of the story, the the jungle. And I saw this character Jurgis, and he was uh, you know, he was immigrating from, uh, from Eastern Europe into Chicago and he was poor and he had a family and this 16 year old wife and they had a baby and he was shoveling manure. And, and it was all very uh, you know, tragic and, and sad and engaging and, and, people die and he was going through the struggle and then and i and i was completely engaged and then i stopped and i and i kind of put the book down and and i was there was nobody else around except me but uh but almost out loud i said oh my god i think i'm reading and 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 i realized without meaning to I, i think i've unlocked something Then, of course as soon as i had that realization I got nervous. I thought, what if I can't yeah. read again? What if this was my one chance to read? And I've ruined it by stopping. And the and so then I got back in and a few pages in I was back in. And this book with you know four hundred pages and this tiny font, uh, I finished it in three days. And I don't think I'd ever finished a book in my life. And I and I wish, I, I, I wish I knew what I did or what switch I flipped, but from that point on, uh I was I was able to now pick up a book and I was able to engage with it in the way that, you know, I'd seen people all around me enjoy books. Uh, I also remember very specifically going to Barnes & Noble after I finished that, because now I'm thinking, I, I, I honestly, I felt like a superhero. I felt like I of the X-Men who discovered this new skill and I was waiting for Professor Xavier to knock on my door and take me off to, uh, to, to the X-Men school, so... I I went to Barnes and Noble with the idea that okay I'm gonna do this again, and I walked in there and I'm looking around and I see all these books and I have this epiphany like you you mean to tell me that all of these books have movies in them and all I had to do was just open them open them up and 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 read them and, and engage with them, and so that was roughly uh, 1996, and so from from then on. Um, I've, I've been, uh, I've, I've, I've loved to read and I, and I still, um, there was a long period where I didn't read comic books in the last couple of years. I've, I've rediscovered my, uh, my enjoyment of, of, of comic books. And so, um, so, so, so actually, so for me also, the, the discovery of, of reading very much coincided with the discovery of writing because it was all it was also that my first year of college that um I was very fortunate that I had a a wonderful uh, wonderful a wonderful teacher. Her name is SK Murphy. She's also a a writer but um she was the first person, particularly the first person uh in, in academia who I, I'd written an essay for and uh and she really enjoyed it. And so from that first essay on she encouraged me that I should that I should try to be a writer, and and I and I was still sort of in that mindset of I'm going to flunk out of college, this isn't going to work out, I'm going to be you know jobless and homeless and what's going to happen with my life. So just that just so just the idea that I might be good at something, um, I I grabbed onto that, and uh, and I and I've basically ridden that uh, that inspiration that that encouragement for the last for the last twenty years. My name's Dolph, short for Adolf. I dropped the A for what I assume are obvious reasons. Mother and father fancied themselves hilarious. They thought it would give me character to be made fun of. Kids can be cruel. They called me a Nazi and a killer. Turns out they were half right. Not the Nazi part. I am a killer. I kill unicorns. I'm Dolph the Unicorn Killer. When I say unicorns, I'm not talking about rich dudes with big dicks or hot girlfriends who insist on threesomes. I kill real unicorns, the mythical ones. Yeah, they're real. Now you know. What you do with that information is between you and your god. If you're squeamish about the details of what it looks like when a horned beast that sneezes rainbow sprinkles and shits ice cream dies beneath my sword, then you'd best stop reading now.
2: There's one story where you had uh, a boy who was going to be brought to Vegas, I believe, and uh, it was the time of 9/11. So it was oh, not. Yes, it was yes. nine Yeah, yeah so and, that and the it flying was kind of interesting. The flying game, and it's interesting because um, you, in the story itself, you're you're talking. They were talking about the characters were talking about how you know the giant um, tower. Uh, the The character was afraid that maybe a plane might strike that t- that tower, and I, I, I'm I'm sorry to say that I, I still had burned in my mind while reading that um, the the horrible um, uh, gunman shooting uh-huh. that occurred there in Las Vegas very recently, and it was it was interesting that I'm like it was almost. Uh, uh, almost like a premonition you know like that you 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 wrote that story about this horrible terrorist event and and it got dodged in that story but uh, it, unfortunately uh, you know a uh, uh, a local terrorist uh uh, uh from the inside mm-hmm. um of the country there uh uh went ahead and uh basically wreaked horrible havoc there I, I, recently
0: I know exactly what you're talking about cuz i mean i, I had very similar feelings uh, again. And so, uh, you know, so the, 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 story, the, the flying, the flying game yet yeah, it's um, uh, at its core, it's a story. It, it, it's really, it's, it's very much my memories of experiencing 9-11. Uh, although I was, uh, I was about 24 years old. Uh, the character in the, in the book is much younger in large part though, you know, even though I was 24 years old on the day of 9-11, I felt like just a scared kid, and it was scary and confusing. I didn't know what was happening or why it was happening or or what was going to happen tomorrow. And so I, I remember those feelings so vividly. So so it wasn't a huge stretch for me to make the the main character a kid and have him experience it in that way. But then also the idea, as you referenced, you know he he does live in Las Vegas and he does see you know on the on the strip on the Las Vegas strip, you know you see the the stratosphere and and any any silhouette or picture of the strip. Um, you know, it, it's uh almost always the stratosphere is going to be on the left side. It almost looks like the Space Needle in, in Seattle if you're just looking at just as a right. visual reference. And so, yeah, so all so he doesn't have any real idea of of you know uh terrorism or, or any any possible you know uh, political vendettas that were being played out. So he's just looking at just you know the things that make logical sense to him is you know is, is it is it tall buildings that that are that are in danger and we've got this tall building in Las Vegas you know are are we in danger, and so uh, and, and so I had a very similar thought to you as you know when when the when that when that horrible shooting happened in Las Vegas back on October first, of you know when I wrote this story there was a certain level of even in the story itself there was a certain level of, of, of relief of you know that's that's not going to happen here like we're we're going to be okay here they're not worried about us and then you know um and, and, and at that point the book was done and it was just just waiting for for the publication date to come and then this 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 horrible shooting happened in in Las Vegas and and I was struck by that idea that you know I wrote the story where there was almost I I almost had the sense of relief like bad things happen but uh but I think we're going to be okay in Las Vegas and then we've got the worst the worst mass shooting in, in American history that, that happened in our city, and 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 even even the event itself uh, uh, it was it was very very surreal because I was so I was uh, I I was, I was out with a friend of mine. It was around it was about 10, ten ten forty in the evening, and uh, we were not on the strip, but we were near the strip, and so he he was getting text messages from uh, from uh, some of his friends who knew what was going on. And so he told me, he's like, there, there's 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 an open shooter on the strip, and so so right away I take my phone out and I'm looking for news, and because it was the the, the actual shooting had had occurred uh, right around ten o'clock, I think ten o three was like the official time, so I was so there was no official news uh, on you know in any of the news outlets yet, so then I went on Twitter. Because I'm thinking, you know, there's, there's got to be some crowdsourced news on Twitter of people just talking about what's going on. And so then on Twitter, that's where I started getting an idea of, of what was going on. There was no great details, but that, that there was a shooter and that it was uh, based in the Mandalay Bay, although there was a lot of people at that time before the news was official. It was like the Mandalay Bay and the Monte Carlo and the Excalibur. And, um, and, and there was still there was no real clear idea of what was happening or why, but just just that this very scary horrible thing was happening and and so on the one hand um uh, on the one hand it's so unfortunately right these 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 sort of mass shootings uh in America happen far not only do they happen too often they happen so often that you know we certainly don't become numb to it but uh but but I think there's a very unfortunate feeling of like you know that's a shame that that happened but you know, that's just the new normal now that every every now and again, we're going to get one of these mass shootings. Right. And I'm sort of used to sort of seeing the story and feeling horrible and reading about it and getting the details. But in this particular case, while I'm sort of used to, you know, say reading about, uh, you know, engaging with the news about, uh, you know, the shooting that happened in uh, in Orlando or there's the shooting that happened in San Bernardino. There's the, the shooting, of course, that happened in Columbine. There's a the shooting that happened in the movie theater in, in Colorado. And so, right. so so, when I engage with all these stories, it's from the perspective of, you know, tremendous empathy, tremendous sadness, but reading about something, you know, read about the, you know, Sandy Hook, reading about these places that are very far away from me. And now all of a sudden I'm engaging with the story and I'm literally in my car parked on, you know, at a red light on Las Vegas Boulevard and I'm looking to my right and directly to my right is the Mandalay Bay. And so I'm, I'm now engaging with the story except when I look up I'm looking at the Mandalay Bay and I'm watching uh, ambulances and fire cars speeding in front of me going into into this into this tragedy and and, uh, and I found my brain trying to kind of reconcile these ideas that this isn't this isn't just a, a horrible news story that, that I that I can comfortably keep at arm's length that I'm you know while I was greatly fortunate not to be affected by the violence, um, I, 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 found that I, I was, it was, I didn't quite know how to reconcile this sort of emotions of actually, you know, I, it was the closest proximity that I'd ever had to one of these stories. And so, um, it was, it was, a uh, it, it was, you know, certainly I, 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 I e- even talking about it, I almost feel a sense of survivor's guilt. The fact that I was completely safe and there's so many people in Las Vegas that, you know, that they that they can't say that that they were either hurt or they, they 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 lost their life or there's so many people in Las Vegas who knew somebody on the Strip who knew somebody who, who was killed or who was hurt, and so even the idea that that I live here that but I was safe even that I think to a certain degree I'm still trying to reconcile the fact that you know why why was I okay I didn't do I didn't do anything to make myself safe I just got lucky I was the, the night before the shooting I was literally on the Strip with my wife you know watching a concert and you know. I, I, there was, it was nothing but, but dumb luck that our, we were on the strip the night before and not the night that it happened. And, um, and, and I still don't know if I completely reconciled those feelings, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was, you know, I, 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 don't think I'm stating anything that anybody hasn't already thought, but yeah, just, a, just a horrible event.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, here's hoping, hoping things get better. Um, well, I think that, uh, I mean that's about it. I hate to end things on a such a bummer <laughs> note. I guess we could talk about I guess we could talk about uh, maybe some of your projects that are moving forward like I know that you have uh you have the book of stories. You're you're working on another novel. You also have the Martin uh Lestrap's uh, show podcast hour.
0: It's the show that may or may not be an hour long depending on how much I've got to say uh and your perception of time and uh and the, the the general conceit of the show is i like interviewing authors and talking about writing and storytelling and publishing um uh more recently i've gotten into um uh just sort of bringing a lot of my my las vegas friends on and still talking about storytelling but just more in the sense of talking about you know books and movies and comic books and television shows and and sort of engaging in uh, storytelling that way uh and i am currently working on what will become my my sixth book total and my my fifth novel it's a it's a story about uh, about the circus and uh and, and the main character is, is a guy who uh he's uh he very early in the book he discovers that he has this very strange supernatural uh, ability uh and while you know uh if you know, while he could do good things for humanity with this new ability he ends up actually just joining the circus with it um and so it's a little bit of light fantasy and it's sort of like it, going in the realm of of, of dolph in that it's on the surface, it's very sort of fun and quirky, and certainly uh, absurd certain places. But uh, uh, beneath the surface, I, you know, there will will be some some of the. Uh, uh, so I I keep I, mean, I think I'm. For some reason, I think I'm trying to avoid the word of uh, using a sophisticated themes because then I start to feel self conscious that I'm that I'm trying to do something <laughs> <laughs> different. But 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 I yeah. But at the very least, I think uh, in this moment, that's the closest word I can kind of come to in terms of describing what I'm attempting to do with these things.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, circus—that's a whole other story. I, I I love all that stuff. And maybe if I have you on the show again, we could talk about that. Uh, that that would be good because uh, I have uh, I've had a few guests from sideshows and uh, you know freak shows etc. Um, but uh, for now, I guess uh, Martin, uh, thanks so so much for being on the program.
0: It was a terrific pleasure and an honor, Sean. So thank you for having me on the show.
2: You can catch up with Martin over at Martinlestraps.com. That's L-A-S-T-R-A-P-E-S. And you can also catch his podcast, The Martin LaStraps Show Podcast Hour, over at martinlestrapsshow.com uh, You can catch up with other episodes of this show over at shareslicepodcast.com or on iTunes, Stitcher or any other sort of distribution system you use for your podcasts, you can follow the show at Slice's Podcast over at Twitter. And if you check out Share Slice Podcast over at Instagram, you can actually hear one-minute extracts from previous episodes and new episodes as well. I'd like to thank longtime listener Tim Chismar for putting me in touch with Martin Lestrap's. Uh, Tim has been very, very instrumental in helping me get to new guests, so I'd like to thank him very much for that. Um, To end the show off, I'd like to play a track by The Womb, and this is the brainchild of Alan Driscoll in Melbourne, Australia. You can find that at thewombmusic.com. Uh, you can support him as well over at patreon.com slash womb. The name of the track is very fittingly called 1970 Vampire College Girls. And I uh, hope you enjoy the music, and I hope you come back for the next episode. Have a great day. They'll push you down,
1: but they won't help you up. Suck your blood, but that's all they'll suck. Those 1970 Vampire College Girls. They come out at night and they hide in the day. It's all your fault, shoulda stayed away from those 1970 Vampire College Girls. I lost everything, but I can't get enough. You don't fall in love with those 19th century vampire college girls. Will I ever look love- back?
2: Two Pods a Day is actually a independent podcast initiative that um, the show was listed on recently. And that's where podcasts get together and everybody listens to two podcasts a day. And uh, I'm happy to say this show is actually featured on day 16 of that. And uh, I encourage you to go check out all the other podcasts in that initiative that we'll link in the show notes. Remember, listen more, listen indie. There's a lot of great indie podcasts out there. So help us out and uh, give that a listen. Please do.